Go with me to James chapter 4. Would you, James chapter 4, as you go there, I ask you this question. How can we learn not to quarrel and dispute? How can we learn not to quarrel and dispute? This probably isn't the best way to seek to avoid this kind of trouble. The story is told of two men who lived in a small village who got into a terrible dispute and they could not resolve it on their own. So they decided to talk to the town sage. He was a very wise man who could help them with their dispute. The first man went to the sage's home and and told his version of the story and all that had happened. And when he finished, the sage said, you know what? You're absolutely right. The next night, the second man called on the sage and told his side of the story, his version. The sage looked at him and said, you know what? You're absolutely right. After that man left, the sage's wife scolded him. What in the world are you doing? Those men told you two completely different stories. How could they both possibly be absolutely right? That's impossible. They can't be both absolutely right. The sage turned to his wife and said, You're absolutely right. Now, that might be a way to avoid quarrels and disputes. I don't suggest it. That's not really the best way. In fact, in fact, God's word is very good to show us the best way. The best way to deal with these kinds of problems, and, and we all have problems like these, disagreements, quarrels, disputes, Sometimes we call them misunderstandings, like you misunderstood me, you know, how that goes. That might be one way to avoid the quarrels, but that's not really the best way. In fact, the best way to deal with these kinds of problems is what we find James teaching us as we begin James chapter 4 together today. And I want you to look with me at the first three verses. James says, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, what causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have, because you do not ask. You ask, and you do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, I like James. I like James a lot because, you know what, he doesn't waste any time, does he? He doesn't, um, he doesn't sugarcoat the truth. Note how he goes right to the heart of why we quarrel and fight. And it's something we don't likely want to hear this morning. And that's why I like James, because he tells us the truth. In fact, he gets right to the heart of why we quarrel and fight. In fact, it's the state of our own hearts that causes our problems. This is what he's getting at when he talks about our passions, that that war within us. And of course, 
James doesn't waste our time by taking care not to hurt our feelings. Our feelings might just be hurt this morning if we look at that verse and realize that's talking to each and every one of us. James doesn't waste any time taking care not to hurt our feelings, and, and, and really that's just as it should be because we need to hear this. Do you want to put an end to your personal conflicts? Do you want to move beyond quarreling and fighting with others? This is what James is telling believers. You do need to stop arguing. I mean, this was going on in the church, and so he's writing to challenge that this needs to stop. It's encouraging in one way, one way to realize that the early church is no different than the church today, is it? We still deal with these kinds of problems and difficulties. And this is what James is telling believers. You do need to stop. Stop arguing. Stop quarreling. Stop fighting. If he's like me, he'd just say, just stop it to his children. Knock it off or else. James says, you must stop. This is not good. This is not spiritually healthy. And what James is saying here is to, to nip this in the bud, as Barney Fife would say. You want me to do it like Barney does it? Nip it, right? He says, like Barney says, just nip it in the bud. You got to stop this to, to nip it in the bud, says James. You have to start with you. How do you like that? Thanks a lot, James. Why can't you say, you know, they need to start with themselves? What James is telling us is that when it comes to your conflicts with one another, you are your own worst enemy. But that's not what the devil would have you believe, is it? He wants you to think, and he wants me to think, that we are always right. Now, I know I'm always right. But I can't say the same thing for you. And I know you're going to say the same thing about me, right? We couldn't possibly be wrong. It just has to be the other person. It has to be their fault that we're having this disagreement, this argument. But what the Word of God tells us here is that this just isn't true. Look at it again, verse 1, for both barrels once more. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So believers who want to get serious about getting along with one another, and that should be all believers, if you're a follower of Christ, I trust you long to get along, to get this right. Believers who want to get serious about getting along with one another need to get serious about dealing with their own hearts first. You must start with you, says James. That's the number one priority in our conflicts, and we often get this so wrong, don't we? The number one priority for us in our conflicts is what? Making sure the other person knows they're wrong. <laughs> and they need to confess, and they need to apologize, right? And they need to do, our, do it our way. 
Not so, says James. And sometimes we just say, if they would just admit that they're wrong, we wouldn't be having this problem. Not so, says James. If they would just change, we wouldn't be having this problem. Not so, says James. The real issue, says verse 1, is that your passions are at war within you. And I think we can sum this up in one word. Selfishness. Selfishness. But why do we all struggle with selfishness? Why do we all have these passions that war within us, that make us disagree and squabble with others? In Mark chapter 4, Jesus told the parable of the sower and the four kinds of soil, illustrating how the word of God is received. And some of you know that, that parable very well. And one of the challenges for us all is the one pointed to in Mark chapter 4 and verse 19 where it says, The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, those kinds of things enter into our lives and they do what? They choke the word. They choke the word of God out in our lives says Mark. Now, that's an illustration of one who hears the word and at first shows some signs of faith, but when at last a person is overcome by the lust for riches and the desire for other things, the word ends up having no effect. Their lives aren't truly changed, and it's a sign that they never truly believe the word to begin with and never truly trusted in Christ in the first place. But I would warn you that, that followers of Christ and true believers can face the same challenge, can face the same struggle, being drawn by our own passions, being drawn by our own lusts, and we can nullify the work of God's word in our lives. I say that because James says that. We can have these same problems as one who never truly believed in God's word. We can say, I know God's word is true. I, I know God's word is authoritative. I know I need God's word. But then we go and live another way because we're attracted by the things of the world. We're, we're drawn by the passions that war within us, as James says here in verse 1. And in verse 2, he goes on to challenge that this is so destructive that the worst kind of damage is done in our relationships with others when we let our passions have control. Look at verse 2 again. He says, you desire and do not have, so you, what? You murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Now I know, I know you're thinking, I would never murder. I would never do that, you say. But you know what leads to murder that we are, I can confidently say I think we're all guilty of? Anger, right? Anger. Anger is where it starts. We get angry, don't we? And anger, unchecked, leads to all kinds of terrible things, including murder. And even if you don't commit murder with your hands, says God's word, you can do it in your mind. You can do it in your heart. You can do it when you say, I hate him, or I hate that person, or I 
hate. I hate them. And says James back in chapter 1 and verse 20, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And James wants to make very clear how serious this is, so I think he, he uses this illustration of murder because he wants to get our attention. He wants us to understand how serious this is that our real troubles come from within us. Our real troubles do not primarily come from others. My real problem is me. Your real problem is you. And because this is true, this leads to all kinds of relational troubles, doesn't it? Says James, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. So this is key. We must see that the real problem isn't the person we're quarreling with. Now, certainly other people can have their share of blame in our relational conflicts. But if we're to have peace in our lives and peace in our relationships and peace with God, then we must be willing to start with ourselves. You have to start with you. You must get serious about starting with your own heart first. The enemy isn't primarily the other person. It's your own passions at war within you, says James. And if you don't start here, where James starts, there will be no peace for you. You may have your way, but it will not be a way of peace. Now, note that there's a second internal spiritual struggle taking place in us when we are quarreling and fighting. James knows that the person who is struggling in his relationships with others is not praying. They're not praying, or at least not praying as he should. You go, what? wait, what? What does prayer have to do with my problems with so-and-so or my squabbles and disagreements? What does prayer have to do with the fact that I have squabbles and disagreements with other people? Here's how. Says James, how you pray or how you fail to pray shows where your heart is. It reveals much to you about where your heart is. Look again at what James says. Look at the end of verse 2 and verse 3. In, in verse 2 he says, you do not have. Why? Because you do not ask. You don't pray. And then to the person who says, oh, but I pray. He says, verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly with wrong motives to spend it on your passions, says James. So, so he says, you're either not praying, and if you're not praying, then you aren't trusting God to meet your needs because that's what prayer is. It is an offering up to God yourself to say, here I am, Lord, I want you to have your way in my life. Here's my need, you know what my need is. Here's my desire, you know my desire, but God, have your way and help me trust you. That's really what prayer should be. 
But if you're not praying, you're not really trusting God, are you? And your eyes are fixed on yourself and what you can do to meet your own needs. So that would be a reason for not praying. Well, I can handle this myself. And I know what I need, and I'm going to get it. I'm going to make it happen. I don't need God's help. I don't need to pray. Or, says James, if you say you're praying, then you don't receive the answers that you seek because the requests that you're making of God are selfish requests. You may be praying, but you're, you're letting your selfish motives get in the way. You're praying that God would change the other person, maybe. Certainly God, he's the one with the problem. Make him know it. And use me if you can to make him know it. (laughs) Or you're praying that God will just take the problem away, which would be ignoring the fact that God, as we learned back in chapter 1, is only about doing what is good and necessary in your life. As James has said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. James 1.17. Earlier he had said, pray and ask for God's wisdom, but don't doubt him. Believe in him. Trust him as you pray for wisdom. Pray with faith because God is only about working in your life what he knows is for your good. So if you pray for escape, God, just get me out of this situation. Remove it from me. I do not want to deal with this. You could be denying the fact that God has something good for you here. That he will bring about his purposes in your life if you trust him and you obey him in the midst of this difficulty. So says James, you're having trouble with others because either you aren't praying or you are praying, but you're praying selfishly. You want God to be at your service, so to speak, when in fact what you really need is to humble yourself before God. You need to humble yourself before God and pray as Jesus teaches his followers to pray. We hear it in Matthew 6.10 because God's children are only rightly praying when their prayers are for God's kingdom to come and for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's how God's children should be praying in the midst of their conflicts and squabbles and difficulties and quarrels. Oh, God, have your way here. Help me to see where I'm wrong. Help me to see how to please you. So do you want God's help? With your relationships? I trust you do. Do you want to win the war with yourself over your own passions that wage war within and make it hard to get along with others? Then pray. Pray. And you need to be certain that you're praying with the right motives. You need to be certain that you're asking for God's will to be done in this situation and for God to be glorified here on earth and in heaven in this situation. You see, the answer to dealing with your own passions, the answer to dealing a death blow to those passions that wage war within each of us is found only in humbling ourselves before God. Because as we've been hearing this month, this uh, this year, each month we're memorizing a new passage of scripture this month on the front of your program, every verse telling us that God is in control. 
the answer to dealing a death blow to your passions from within is to trust God. Remind yourself that God is in control. Humble yourselves before God, trusting first of all in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this is where it must begin. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you hear me today saying, you want peace? And I think we all do. You've got to start by by taking God's forgiveness as your own. Resting in Jesus Christ, knowing that Jesus Christ on the cross accomplished what you could not. Taking the punishment for your sins. Making it possible for you to trust in him, to be saved from your sins. That is where we all must begin. And if you're hearing me say today, you want peace? That's where it starts. Trust in Jesus Christ. But listen, believers, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, we don't stop trusting in Jesus Christ once we're, you know, saved. I'm saved. I don't have to trust in Jesus anymore. No, you need to trust him every day because the world that you and I live in is a scary place to live at times, and we think things are out of control. But God is in control, and he proved it by raising his son from the dead. You see, only in receiving Christ as Lord and Savior do we have God's help to wage war on our sinful selves. It's why I read the passage I did during our communion service, because you need to hear, because of Jesus Christ, you can have victory over sin. You can have victory over self and those passions that wage war within. And then... Having trusted in Christ, we must daily walk with Christ. Romans 13, 14 says it this way. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I take that to mean make his desires your desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You see, if you make your desires Christ desires, there'll be no room for your fleshly pursuits. And as Galatians 5.16 teaches us, we are to walk by the Spirit, the Spirit that God gives all who trust in his Son and dwells in us to help us conquer sin in our own lives, conquer these passions that wage war within us. Walk by the Spirit, that is, trusting in Christ's finished work for our sins and humbling ourselves before God's word, knowing that God's spirit is at work in us to enable us to have victory in this life with the sins we deal with today. And Galatians 5.16 says, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Walk by the spirit cling to Christ, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Make Christ your all. Make obedience to his word your your daily goal in whatever work that God has given you to do, in whatever station in life you're at. Do it for God's glory with the word of God as your guide. And I pray this morning, and I hope it's your prayer, that we would each humble ourselves before God and his word today. Humble ourselves before his mighty word, that he might be glorified and his will 
might be done in our relationships with one another. And God will get all the glory when we humble ourselves before him.